Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. I recently went to the Spruik Ukulele Festival in Brisbane and I caught up with Ruth Allen, who's leader of the Port Macquarie Ukustra. If you don't know what a Ukustra is, go back and listen to the episode I recorded last year with Mark Jackson and Jane Gelbart. Not only does Ruth lead the Ukustra, she's also a James Hill accredited ukulele teacher and a very entertaining performer. I think you'll enjoy this one. Because it's the new black. Ukulele player, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ruth Allen and I run the Port Macquarie Ukistra. Which is a wonderful thing. So I do know something about Ukistras because I did interview uh, Mark and Jane last year. Yes. And they are the, the inventor of the Ukistra. Uh, yes, they, they are and they've very much been my mentors and guides through this process. I first met them about five years ago, I think it was now, and uh, when I was running Tuesday Ukulele Group in Port Macquarie and they gave me all sorts of ideas about what I could do differently and how I could do it. And, and so, yes, I, I'm very grateful to them, very much indebted to them. I must say, when I saw you this morning, I sort of half thought, oh, that looked like Jane. And it's because the hair. Now, we, is, is it a prerequisite to have the long, <laughs> blonde, curly hair if you're going to be running a strip? I am beginning <laughs> to wonder that, actually. And we have been mistaken for each other, particularly from behind, not least yes. because coincidentally, we do actually own the same dress and it's the one that I'm wearing today. <laughs> Um, and somebody walked up to me today and said hi Jane I went no (laughs) same hair different girl but interestingly there are another couple of um, ukulele group leaders with similarly similarly large hair there's a lady in Sawtell Stephanie Sims Uh, she also has the the big curly hair and uh, you know a passion for slightly 50s retro dresses (laughs) we've got to get you all together that would be great Mm, you can have the, the, the big hair 50s dresses band yeah but Jane was the original and the best and I thought you know the rest of us just look like wannabes I'm sure some people probably think are you just trying to be Jane no it's a coincidence I had the dress before her look it's an awesome look so why wouldn't you (laughs) thank you (laughs) so tell me then about um, your ukulele life Um, when did you start playing ah well this is a long and rather amusing story excellent we like those absolutely so uh, my son was I think maybe 10 at the time and he came home from school one day and said mum will you please buy me a ukulele and I thought what um you know last week it was Pokemon and the week before it was Diablos and you know I just thought what's all going on here so I said oh you know maybe and then a week later I was actually doing canteen duty at school you know serving out the the muffins and so on and sure enough there were little knots of children all around the playground playing ukuleles well it was coming up to Christmas so I thought well you know better to buy a musical instrument than a uh, you know a Pokemon or whatever it might be so out I went and bought a little cheap red Mahalo and uh, a you can play ukulele book and gave it to him on Christmas morning and on Boxing Day he said to me, Mum, can you go and buy your own one of those? Because you haven't put it down since, you know, since yesterday morning. <laughs> so you stole it. <laughs> so I basically stole his instrument. And as soon as the shops were back open, I went and bought my own. A better one? 
Uh, a little bit better. So I think I went from a $40 Mahalo to an $80 Mahalo. Oh, and, look, you doubled um, it. That's fantastic. I did double it, and I've pretty much been doubling it ever since, which <laughs> That's is... how it goes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is pretty much how it goes. Hmm. So, yes, that was that. Uh, that was how I completely got started. So how long ago was that? How long have you been playing? Oh, so it must be seven, eight years now, okay. perhaps. Mm, seven mm. years. And did you play other instruments before that? Look, I had played the guitar a little bit uh, growing up, but only three chords in or four chords in first position. I'd played the piano uh, as a child and gave that up when I was 16 and discovered boys. Yes, yes. <laughs> I told my mum it's because of the exams, but no, it was no. really... Yeah. <laughs> It's getting it in the way boys. of your social life. But I did cart the piano around with me or a keyboard around with me pretty much throughout my adult life. And, I've you know, done it the was, same thing. It didn't, you know, sometimes it would get played for months at a time and then abandoned for months at a time. So music was always there, but no, I wasn't um, a professional. I was only grade four piano, nothing very exciting. So you self-taught from, from that, that book that you bought? Yes, I pretty much was, actually. To start with, I, I got the book, and I think I had a few notions about strumming, and uh, and I did what everybody does to start with. You know, I found YouTube, mm. and I found a few people who knew, and they gave me a few notions, and um, and then I found a local guitar teacher who had... I discovered the ukulele and he took me a bit further with it but uh, yeah I guess primarily at that stage I was self-taught but I went out very quickly and started trying to find other people that's how I met Mark and Jane and I then embarked on the James Hill ukulele initiative course and that was a three-year teacher training course and well, that's as long part of that um, that really made me improve my skills and I attended lots of workshops. Every festival I went to, I didn't really bother going to listen to any groups playing. I would just go to workshops and, and absorb everything like a sponge, effectively. From And I went to Hawaii on a retreat. And, uh, yeah, so I, I try and keep developing in, in that way. In Hawaii, did you go to the one on Maui? I didn't go to the one on Maui, right. but I have just come back from um, one run by the Maui people on... Um, on Oahu, up on the North Shore, okay. which was fantastic because I was with Craig Chi and Sarah Mizell and Brian Tolentino and Kale Gamiao. I mean, absolute ukulele royalty. And it, was, <laughs> it was fantastic. No, I just lots. asked because I did an episode recently with um, Jeff Skillams, who had been on the, to the one in Maui. Oh, yeah. And I've never heard anyone so so blissfully happy about anything. Oh, <laughs> oh look, the organisers are fantastic. Uh, you know, Melanie and her partner were just great and it's you know it's a lovely thing to do and Hawaiians in general are just lovely people aren't they? yes very relaxed very open um very keen to share their love of music and their love of culture particularly as well which is a fantastic thing yeah yeah I love Hawaii mm. I think I'll be back there soon yeah going to places like Hawaii gets very expensive though because once you've been once you get, you've got to keep going again yeah and the, <laughs> the exchange rate between the Aussie dollar oh, and the US dollar is crippling I know moment. it's not good absolutely oh, crippling yes, I'm going to I'm going overseas mm. um, to the States next March mm. and I just I don't think it's going to get better between now and then is it no no <laughs> I, I think probably not probably not so yes that's me um quite the self-taught individual but um how I ended up in, um, actually, I'll just, I'll just dial that back for a second because I guess that what you'd really like to ask me, and I might just, you know, you can Jump ask me in. this, um, is uh, how did I get from there to, to here? Because 
I, there I was sort of self-taught and now I run two ukulele groups and I play in one ukulele orchestra and I, a bit of solo work and so on and so forth. There was a ute group in Port Macquarie run out of the local music shop and it met once a month and that was the place that I got a really good start. And uh, Jeff, who runs the music shop, used to once a month move all the equipment to one side and accommodate growing numbers of ukulele players. Coming up to the Christmas, he said, look guys, I can't do this anymore. I've got too much new stock coming in. Uh, I can't do it. And it also, it's, it's not worth my while. And so being the sort of person I am, I put my hand up and said, look, I'll find us somewhere to go. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? <laughs> so I think we ended up in um, the CWA rooms. So we met in the CWA rooms and I was the one who had the who started a mailing list and you know did some photocopies and so on and so forth and and that's how I ended up as group leader and uh, it was at that point that I thought well you know maybe there's more to this so hence my desire to improve my skills and so yes yeah, so now you've got the orchestra and well rather today um so I should mention this for, for the listeners so we're here in Brisbane at Spruik well not at Spruik but very nearby Spruik mm-hmm. <laughs> So this morning I heard you play with the Outlaws, yes. which is not, which of course is not the orchestra because they'd no. be quite expensive for you all to come up from Port Macquarie to Brisbane, I would think. Yes. So um, the Outlaws ukulele band is um, was the brainchild of Ian Porter, and Ian is an incredibly talented player and uh, above all an incredibly talented arranger. So all the pieces that you heard us play this morning were arranged by him. So we play in at least four parts. There are, I think there were 12 of us on stage today. And uh, it's, it's an incredible thing that he manages to pull together because we live, some of us, some live in Sydney. I'm in Port Macquarie. We've got two near Valor Beach. We've got people all over the state, effectively. And we all rehearse independently with Ian's fantastic backing tracks. And then we get together the night before a festival and iron out all the awkward bits and then up we go on stage to perform which is quite scary but you know (laughs) most of the time we pull it off I think well you did this morning I absolutely loved it and you certainly got a great audience reaction too there was some very good applause Mm, there mm. and and you get to do some singing as well yes the only one who gets to sing Uh, at the moment yes um we tend to do mainly instrumental work it's because we we want to be different from the usual ukulele group that sings and strums so the singing is just really there to break it up a bit because it's hard to listen to I think a 30 or 40 minute set of entirely instrumental music people don't necessarily want that in particularly at festivals I think yeah so we just chuck in a couple to break it up a bit and then of course you had the one today where the audience gets to sing yes you're the voice I think I was the only one singing uh, yes I mean <laughs> To be honest, I think we were were encouraging the singing more than we might have because we started that at such a cracking pace that, um, well, I in particular, my fingers were just not going that fast on my part. And I was grateful that the audience were joining in because they were covering up my mistakes. (laughs) Well, this might be a good moment then. Would you like to... You've got your ukulele there, which is a very pretty one. I have. This is a beautiful ukulele that was made by um, a guy called Mark Wilkinson in Wollongong. And I picked it up at the Blue Mountains Festival and I went like this. And I looked at him and said, I'll have that. (laughs) 
please. <laughs> That's the first as purchase ever. Was, no, it's it's mm. just beautiful. It's um, it's made of koa wood, and uh, honestly, I do think it's as good as any of the big Hawaiian ukulele brands. And I love the fact that I've met him, and it says inside it, this is. I think number forty-six. Oh, nice! So you know, it's it's just, it's very special and yeah. uh, it's beautiful. It's lovely to play, and I absolutely adore it. Mm. Well, I got my new Hawaiian ukulele when I was here in April, which mm. so I, so I, I I understand. Yes, and I haven't been to play it for two months. No. <laughs> Yeah, soon, that soon, thumb. Soon. Sort soon. out that thumb. It's mm. almost better. It's almost better. Um, yeah. So, would you like to to play me something? Yes, I will. So I. Um, I've kind of gone off playing solo to be honest I realise that it terrifies me and also I don't particularly enjoy being up on stage by myself I get the biggest kick out of actually playing with a band because there's something about the connection that you have when you're playing with other people which is really special whereas if I'm out there on my own it's alright if the audience are really responding well but if they're not it's a very lonely place to be really lonely there's a story there, and I'll, I'll come back to that. <laughs> we will one, come maybe. back to that. Okay. But when I do perform solo, I, I usually work on the assumption that probably the best thing to do is to try and make them laugh. Yes. So, then uh, look, if they like you, they'll forgive you anything. Yes. So um, this, is, this is one of those things. Um, we'll talk about it afterwards. Another day, another night, another moment at our red light. Your face is pleasing, and that's the reason you're taking selfies. A lot of chicks, a lot of schmucks, they're making faces that look like ducks. Everybody thinks they're a hottie, they're taking selfies. Down at the Macca's drive-thru, act like you're all alone. I'm in the car behind you, put down your wretched phone in the mirror. You preen and pout on the toilet, please. What's that about? Don't you see, folks, when you pee, folks, please don't take selfies. On a beach, on a plane, you're on a cliff. Are you insane? That's not an ace look to put on Facebook Stop taking selfies <laughs> That's fantastic <laughs> so, so did you write those words? No, I didn't write all of them I wrote some of them It was inspired by um, a parody that I found online by a guy called Claude Prez um, and some of the lyrics are his many of them are mine I kind of adapted it because it was a bit American he would have um, said Maccas international listeners Maccas as McDonald's yes that's yes. right um, so I kind of took it and made it my own if you like mm, that's great I love it 
<laughs> I, I kind of, I like doing parodies, possibly because I, I've never written a song in my life, really. Well, I have written songs, but I never perform them because I always think that my songs sound like the adolescent ramblings of someone who isn't very good at English. <laughs> so, you know, they're all a bit angst-ridden. A bit teenage poetry. Teenage poetry, and, yeah. you know, and I just find them embarrassing, excruciating. So I usually, um, I'll either do covers or I'll, I like writing parodies and I like making people laugh. Yeah, and it gives you something a bit different, so well, that's like right. all of the yeah. others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was in a band um, which started off as primarily ukuleles, but then actually I ended up as the only uke player. And we... We got some we got some good gigs um, in the local sort of folk club and arts centre, but we just couldn't break into the pubs and clubs because, you know, I think we had a combined age of about two hundred, and there were only four of us. Yeah, so you know, possibly off. more than yeah, <laughs> possibly more than that. You know, and our guitarist who was fantastic, I think he might have been sixty five or something, and you know, fabulous bloke, wonderful skills, but. You know, you go in the pubs and they, they don't want the middle-aged people with the double chins and what have you. Yeah. They want the the young, attractive-looking ones. No matter how good you are, you've just, you know, it's That's hard. Right. It's not just really about hard. the music, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I just stick to teaching and, and festivals, really. So you do a lot of teaching? Yes, I do. So my the youth groups that I run aren't the kind of typical hum and strum groups. I'm again following on from the euchestration methodology of, of Mark Jackson and Jane Gelbart. I very much try to take the songs that we do and break them down into parts that are accessible to people at all levels. So a beginner might just play a single chord thumb strum and someone a bit more advanced might play a more complicated chords inversion up the neck or they might play a more complicated strum and then we might have some riffers and someone might take a solo and that way nobody gets bored and nobody gets left behind because I think that can be a real problem with youth groups you know that sort of some people end up thinking oh you know I'm too good for this or other people think they're too good for me so trying to keep everyone together is is quite an art but I do enjoy teaching, so I, I got a break about five years ago. Locally, our council um, bought 10 ukuleles for the library. And in fact, Port Macquarie Library was the first one in Australia to have ukes for loan. Oh, wow. And they commissioned me to run uh, a series of workshops for seniors, and it was a, an absolutely fantastic programme. I think I taught 70... Um, seniors in the space of three months and then I went on to, ta to teach some more so I think I could probably point at 120 grey-haired strummers in Port Macquarie who <laughs> who started because of that of that program that's fantastic mm. and uh, it was it was great so I still do beginner work um, but I take the workshop approach very much in the, the groups and classes that I run and I also teach a bit privately as well which, um, which I enjoy doing. I, I really enjoy encouraging people to to find their inner musician because mm. we've all got one. Of it's course, we we've, we've yeah. hidden it. I think. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. And I think there's a place for both. I think you get to a point where you're not going to learn as much in a group environment. I think when you get more advanced, yeah, you probably definitely. need someone to actually you know, stand there and say, yeah, "Don't put your thumb there," yes. like you did for me earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and I think, look, you know, if I could turn back the clock on my ukulele journey, it would be to take out the 18 months where I taught myself using YouTube. 
because I think that slowed me down. I learned some awful bad habits and I see other people now with those with those awful bad habits, you know, bad posture and, um, you know, strumming, you know, using what I call the wet fish, fish strumming technique, you know, sort of really limp wristed and they say, oh, I can't get any speed up. And that's because, you know, they're doing a chop rather than a flick. And it's, yeah, I wish I'd had people to tell me that from the outset. So I would seriously recommend um, to anyone, go and find good teachers and go and sit at their feet, go to workshops, go to festivals. So early there was something you're going to come back to, you were talking about solo performing. Ah, yes. Where was I going with the solo performing? Oh, yes, I know what I was going to tell you. So uh, the last solo gig I did was a support act to Mick Conway. Do you know? Oh, no pressure there. No pressure at all. (laughs) So no pressure at all um, being Mick Conway's support act. And... um, so it's already difficult because Mick's a very funny guy. Not only is he an extremely virtuosic musician, but he is obviously a very funny guy. He makes his living doing vaudeville type stuff. So I'm up there, I'm thinking, well, you know, this, this is all I've got. You know, I've got some comedy stuff and I'm just going to have to get up there and do it. And I don't know what was going on that night, but the audience seemed quite flat when I got up on stage as the warm-up act. And... Uh, and so I got more and more nervous, I think, cause I, and it was very, very dark. I couldn't see anybody. And I, re- I always like to have a few faces. I'm quite good at finding the kind looking face who will look good. And I'm quite good at blanking out the one who appears to be grimacing every time you make it. Or little, the one who's on their phone. The one who's on you. their phone ignoring <laughs> you. So I couldn't find a face, a friendly face who would give me any courage. But, you know, I ploughed on regardless. But then I got to the song that I was going to finish with, which was a wonderful, wonderful Victoria Wood song. Victoria Wood, the British comedian, and it's called The Ballad of Barry and Frieda. And it's um, it's a little bit risque, but it's not particularly rude. But, the, you know, basically the, the, the chorus goes... Um, let's do it let's do it do it while the moon is right let's do it do it i'm really in the mood tonight and it's about a couple frida who is really desperate for a bit more action from her husband uh, than than barry is prepared to give and it's full of innuendo but uh the audience i think they were I, they, they looked like they were shocked and i think i I think what I believe now is that Australians are actually a tiny bit more prudish than the English. So you may have heard my English accent I coming out that, there. Yes. So I, I just, it, it just didn't go well at all. There was this sort of embarrassed laughter, whereas normally when I've done that um, with people who really get Victoria Wood, they'd have been rolling in the aisles, guffawing, and it's put me right off. Mm, yeah, well, that, that, that is hard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, put me right off. Because you never know who's in the audience, really, no. do you? no. It could have been a whole bunch of nuns for all you know. No, but you know, but I, but I was thinking, but they're here to see Mick Conway, you know. Well, that's right. He's not. Yeah you'd, yeah, you'd think there'd be sense of humour, but I don't know. Maybe it was me, but it, yeah, I've oh, I've got pre-gig traumatic stress disorder now. Post-gig <laughs> traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Do you have one more song in you? Uh, I'm. I may well do. Let's see what we can find. I don't know when I last played this, Meredith. We might be three takes here. by the music shop window I 
woman. The yuk spoke to me and I slowly went out of my mind. They said bye, bye, ukuleles. Bye, my ukuleles. I could see they were far too expensive for me. But I was lost like a slave that no one could free. of day well I'm sorry to say I was waiting I crossed the street to the shop and I ran through the door autobiographical one that yeah I, I, I guess it might be <laughs> yes yes um yes have you seen that cartoon that says when i die please don't t- hang on how does it go when i die please don't let my husband sell my ukes for what i told him i paid for them <laughs> i like that there's a lot of truth in there <laughs> an awful lot of truth in there that's a good one mm. all right how has ukulele changed your life well, immeasurably. Um, I, I think it, it started changing my life from the moment that I picked it up in really subtle ways. It was so great to have a musical outlet, but it helped me find my voice, rediscover my voice. I had sung, um, 
I'd enjoyed singing as a child and I had sung backing vocals um, in, a, in a band very, very briefly until the band got a recording deal and decided that it was going to be better to split the royalties three ways rather than four. So I got the boot. How rude. And that was fine. Um, but once I'd picked up the ukulele, I also joined a choir and that was absolutely life-changing as well because I joined a choir and then I was invited to join a women's ensemble and I really found some vocal confidence at that point but I guess how has it really changed my life it's now um, my job it's not a job that would necessarily put very much food on the table but it is um, a job that I enjoy. It's a calling. I love teaching. I love, as I said earlier, um, introducing people to the joys of the ukulele. It's helped me travel with a purpose. You know, I've been to um, Hawaii four times now, I think. I've been all over Australia to festivals. I've met some fabulous people. Um, I've got friends now, um, musical friends who I wouldn't be without you know I've had a great time this weekend with the Outlaws band so yes it's a hobby it's a job it's a passion it's just wonderful and I and it's I think it's I've heard people say that music has saved them and I do think that in lots of ways that that music and the ukulele in particular has saved me it's given me a purpose which you know as your children are growing up you sometimes lose a bit my son's off to university I expect in February and I'm not quite as scared as I might be, you know, about being, you know, left at home. But because I've got, I've got my music and I've got my purpose through that. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been wonderful talking to you, Meredith. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and it was performed by me, Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums and Jim Croft. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's podcast, there are links in the show notes, and there's also a playlist with songs relating to today's episode on the Ukulele is the New Black YouTube channel. If you enjoy this podcast, you can support me on Patreon. You can buy some merch at ukuleleisthenewblack.com or give the podcast a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. You can also get in touch. I love hearing from listeners. You can email me at podcast at ukuleleisthenewblack.com or send me a message on social media or through the website. Episodes are released every second Monday and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. It's the new black. When I was doing the, uh, the James Hill ukulele course, you have to submit a portfolio of work. Oh. And the only place in my house that's reasonably quiet is inside a wardrobe because there's the I'm very lucky we have the noise of the ocean and we also get the noise of the plumbing and you know the man next door with the whippersnipper so I used to have to shut myself in the wardrobe I once did 36 takes to do a piece sitting oh. in the wardrobe because I was making myself worse and do you know which take I used in the, the first end? one the third yeah oh. it was just ridiculous because <laughs> it's the new black